Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. difficult about this book right here, okay, is this entirety, there's there's 61 verses in the whole book, it's not a long thing, okay, I mean, it's super short, um, there's a lot of, like, depth and richness to it, so you almost have to take it a little bit slower, but at the same time, it kind of messes up the entire feel of it, okay, and so as we're reading this right now, um, we're going to we're going to go back and just give a little bit of an update on what we've read already. Um, but I just kind of lock yourself into this on what is Peter writing. It's to the same group of people that he wrote this first letter to. And we've already gone through this of kind of the highlights of chapter one. His divine power has given us everything we need, everything that we need for life and godliness. And he talks about as his followers, Peter says, make every effort, like keep growing. Don't stay stagnant. This is what a disciple of Jesus does. We keep growing and learning and, and, and changing. And he says we won't be unfruitful and unproductive. And he says, listen, he reminds us in chapter one that um, where his message came from wasn't just, just, he just pulled it out of the air. He said he was a eyewitness of Jesus. He actually saw Jesus. He experienced these things, okay? And so, but he gets into chapter two. And chapter two is really interesting because the entire chapter here is essentially this judgment on false teachers, okay? Is that there will be false teachers that come in. And let's go ahead and read this. Uh, before we do, let me go ahead and pray. And then we're going to start in verse one of 2 Peter chapter two. Father, thanks for your word. We we pray that you open our ears to hear uh, your message. And thanks for speaking through your apostles. Thank you for giving us your written word. Father, I pray that you uh, give us everything, Father, that we need to know to be your people here. Father, help us to be great listeners of you and help us to see the reality and the fallenness of our own world. Father, and I pray that we handle your word well. God, I pray that we represent you well in the way that is worthy of your sacrifice and your life. God, thank you again for allowing us to have this. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. And so he writes, he says, but there was also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. So just stopping for a second and thinking about that, he's saying like, this is going to be a normal thing in the church, in the Christian church, is there's going to be false teachers, just like there were false prophets before, there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, and will bring swift destruction on themselves, okay? So again, he's, he's painting this picture that this isn't just somebody that walks into a church and stands up in front of the church and starts teaching a lesson. This is somebody, a disciple, a brother in Christ who's in the church, Right? And he said he'll secretly be passing these things along. Okay, and So again, just 
it's really important that we lock our minds into this because he's saying that even this word here, uh, secretly bringing destructive heresies, that word heresies actually is just like an opinion, right? But, but masking his opinion in the work of God or in the word of God, all right? He said, this is what will happen is people will come in and they will bring in a destructive opinion, right? I want you to think about what would that be? What would be something that would be destructive to me and you, all right? And this can happen where I want you to picture this happening isn't in a Sunday service. It isn't, again, up in front of the church. Not to say that me or another minister can't be a false teacher, but he's painting the picture of somebody that would be sitting in your front room. They would be sitting there, okay, and be introducing something and introducing it in a way that, hey, that sounds like it might be right, okay? And he said that uh, even denying the master who bought them and will bring swift destruction on themselves, many will follow their unrestrained ways. The way of truth will be blasphemed because of them. They'll exploit you in their greed and deceptive words. Their condemnation pronounced long ago is not idle, and their destruction does not, go, uh, does not sleep. For if God didn't spare the angels who sinned, but threw them down into Tartarus and delivered them to be kept in chains of darkness until judgment, and if he didn't spare the ancient world, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others when he brought a flood on the world of the ungodly, and he reduced the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes and condemned them to ruin, making them an example to those who are going to be ungodly. And if he rescued a righteous lot, distressed by the unrestrained behavior of the immoral, for as he lived among them, that righteous man tormented himself day by day with the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials, and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, especially those who follow the polluting <laughs> desires of the flesh and despise authority. Okay, and so and here's the thing. Do you recognize any of the things, the examples he's bringing up? You, that some of them are easily recognizable, right? He says, he says this has been happening all along. This shouldn't be, it, it may be tough for our ears to hear this kind of judgment, like, this might be hard for us to hear, but he said, this is, listen, this has been going on. There have been false prophets. There's been unrighteousness. God deals with them. He talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. He talks about Noah. There's a word, maybe your Bible uses this word or not, right up there in verse 4. If God didn't spare the angels who sinned but threw them down into Tartarus, like, where is that? What is that place, okay? Really simple. It gets a little convoluted because we kind of mess things up, okay? Is there's um, this idea of Hades, okay? We we were, we think that's just hell. It's there's a waiting place for the dead, okay? And here's the truth: when you die, you don't go to heaven if you're a Christian. Immediately. <laughs> Stick with me here because listen, I can't tell you every funeral is like, man, so and so, they are in heaven. No, they're not. No one is there. God is there. And Jesus at his right hand, okay? The truth, when Jesus comes back, that's when, okay? Heaven will be populated and judgment will be brought. But there's a place of the dead that you go, okay? And one of its, there's, there's like, think of like two rooms, if you will. 
right? There's paradise and there's Tartarus. Ring a bell, but Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Okay? It's not him going, today you'll be with me in heaven. He said, no, no, no. Right. You'll go to a place of the dead where you'll wait until Jesus comes back. And that place will be paradise, okay? It's good. But there's also a place, Tartarus, where it's the waiting place for the dead of those who are lost. Okay? And that story is, is exemplified in the story where you talk about um, the rich man and Lazarus. You remember that story, the rich man and Lazarus, and he says, no, just let me go down there to my brothers. And he says, no, you don't understand. They're, they're there. They don't get to come back. They're in Tartarus. Okay? They don't get to come back. They don't get to jump over to paradise either. And so you have this waiting place, but, but maybe more confusing. It says, when did God not spare the angels who sinned? Right? Now, here's the deal. If you're taking notes, this is one to take right here. Because we talked about this before in 1 Peter. Is 2 Peter draws from an early writing that was pretty popular among early Christians. It was called 1 Enoch. Okay? It was a book that was... That, that, the, the name, okay, is, is what it was kind of meant to, to convey was this was Noah's grandfather who wrote this. It, it, was, it wasn't. But it was this letter that was written, First Enoch, that we would go, oh my goodness, I can't believe he's saying that. That's not a book of the Bible. Early Christians were very familiar with this. And in fact, in First Enoch, one of the things that he talks about is how, how the angels of God came down and they had sex with the daughters of men. Okay? And, and Enoch goes into this whole story about how, how God took them and said, no, I'm taking you as an angel and you're gone. You're going to be delivered away and sent down into Tartarus. Okay, so to our ears, we're going, that doesn't make much sense. To the early Christians, they would go, we understand Enoch. We've read this before. This isn't an unpopular writing. And so all in all, he's trying to get us to understand this, is that there is a judgment. And God has made a judgment of unrighteousness throughout time, right? That there has been this going on. And he's saying this will happen as well to the false teachers. This is serious. And it, I think it makes us stop for a second because False teaching isn't just this idea of, hey, I, I taught something and it wasn't quite right, and so all of a sudden you're a false teacher. Or like you get some doctrinal point wrong or something like that. That wasn't what he's talking about. He's talking about a wholesale teaching of one who isn't Jesus, but disguised as Jesus, okay? Where the people go, oh, wow, that sounds a little different, okay? But he's saying, can you imagine what he's telling the church? He said, and, and think about this. There are people reading this and hearing this who are these false teachers. And it's going, I'm not messing around with this. Okay. This is, this is everything to do with righteousness. And he said, there will be this, um, this judgment that will happen. And he says, they're bold and arrogant people. They don't tremble when they blaspheme the glorious ones. However, angels who are greater in might and power don't bring a slanderous charge against them before the Lord. But these people, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, speak blasphemy about things they don't understand, and in their destruction, they too will be destroyed. Suffering harm as the payment for unrighteousness, they consider it a pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes, delighting in their deceptions as they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery and are always looking for sin. They seduce unstable people and have hearts trained in greed. Children under a curse, 
They have gone astray by abandoning the straight path and have followed the path of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness but received a rebuke for his transgression. It was a donkey that could not talk, spoke with a human voice, and restrained the prophet's irrationality. If you've not read this story, that sounded crazy. Okay, but he said, yes, it was, it did happen, okay? It's his rebuke came from a donkey that came and spoke to him, okay? And, and rebuked him. Verse 17, these people are springs, these false teachers are springs without water. Mist driven by a whirlwind, the gloom of darkness has been reserved for them. For by uttering boastful, empty words, they seduce with fleshly desires and debauchery people who have barely escaped from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption, since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. For if, having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and defeated, the last state is worse for them than the first. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy command delivered to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow after washing itself wallows in the mud. Okay, there's a picture for you right there, okay. So let's just hear what they heard at the beginning. I know sometimes we can pull all kinds of doctrinal stuff out of this. Do you get the idea that Peter was saying, listen, be very serious about discerning false teaching. Like it will happen, and this is the seriousness of it. Could you imagine? And my, my heart is this. Like I can't know. I don't know. We don't know what happens behind closed doors. There's, there's a secrecy involved in false teaching. Okay? My prayer, and I hope your prayer, is that God brings that to the light for people to come to repentance. Okay? That's my prayer, is that if that's happening, and, and the truth of the matter is, don't be surprised if it happens in your community. All right? He's saying, no, these are Christians who are introducing something in secrecy. And it, and it sounds a little bit like Jesus, but it's not Jesus. Right? How many times, I just want you to consider these things and how many times we even gather and, and even entertaining just complaining and unrighteousness and all of these things and just kind of entertaining these thoughts and going, hold on a minute, is this what Christianity is supposed to be in our community? Like coming together just like, you know, we've got this new thing and we've got, and we don't, right here tells us, man, we need each other to be held accountable to the word of God. Okay, is if something is brought up and taught in a way, it's okay for us to go, hey, dude, stop that right now. Okay, if it's not, here's the interesting thing oftentimes is he says they bring these things in, but they also have a lifestyle that's sensual. Okay, they say that's one of the things that's almost a little bit attractive. It's like, man, look at them. He said, even in daylight, they're not trying to necessarily even hide it. But it's that idea of going, man, wow, they're, they're Christians and they do this. Man, I wonder, am I just being repressed by Christianity? Is it like, look at how free they are. Their freedom, and, and unfortunately we've heard this before, it's this false sense of freedom. It's, no, man, you're free to do this stuff, right? right? 
I mean, you're free to live in a certain way. You're free. I mean, you know, and there's just, again, you can't like figure out what every message is going to be from a false teacher. But this idea of it's very interesting in that, man, how we live our lives. But he's saying that these false teachers, he said, they're right out there in the light. They're living this way. They're living in a way of unrighteousness. They're living in a way that they're, they're their own authority. Okay. And so, again, you go through these things and he says this. He, here's the ultimate judgment for these false teachers. Uh, if they escape the world's impurity through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's saying they became disciples and they continue in this. Okay? That, that, listen, it's worse for them than if they never, ever knew who Jesus was. Think about that for a second. How could that be worse? Can you think of what's worse of going, no, man, I never decided to follow Jesus. I'm not going to become a Christian. I'm not going to become a disciple. I'm going to live my own life. He said, no, it's actually worse for these guys to have decided to become a Christian and then gone back and become this false teacher. Like, can you imagine what is worse than the judgment of God himself? Okay? And there's a couple of things to be drawn from this. One is this idea of us going, hey, I mean, we just kind of are Christians and we just kind of go with it and it's okay. Saying, no, man. I mean, going back to chapter one, he's like, no, make every effort to grow. Make every effort to learn these things. Make every effort to be this way. Right? It's a little bit of a wake-up call, I think. Okay? And so one of the things that's important about this will Actually, let's stop. Let's go in. We have to go into chapter three, though, okay? Because you have this entire chapter of just this judgment on these false teachers. And, and again, my, our prayer, hopefully, is you want to know what? That there will be false teachers anywhere that are brought into the light and come to repentance. That is awesome right there, okay? But he says this in verse one of chapter three. Dear friends, this is the second letter I've written to you. And in both letters, I want to develop a genuine understanding with a reminder so that you can remember the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the command of our Lord and Savior given through your apostles. First, be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days to scoff. I don't know if you're a scoffer or not. Maybe you're, you know, I'm not calling anybody that, but maybe you are. You know, you're scoffing living according to their own desires, saying, where is the promise of his coming? Ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. They willfully ignore this. Long ago, the heavens and the earth were brought about from water and through water by the word of God. Through these waters, the world of that time perished when it was flooded, but by the same word, the present heavens and earth are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Dear friends, don't let this one thing escape you, okay? So, hey, there's a lot of words in this chapter. I mean, this is like deep stuff. Here's where I kind of zero in. Don't let this one thing escape you. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord doesn't delay his promise, but as some understand delay, but is patient with you, 
not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. All right, so let me just kind of, let's take that for a second. We just learned something really important about the character of God. Did you pick it up right there? Like, I don't want anyone to perish, but I want to be patient to give them time. He's saying that about the false teachers. He's saying that about people who don't know him. I want to give them time. Like a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Here's the truth. It's not literal. All right? Don't try to figure out God's time. Oh, means this long, and that means the world. No, 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 no. He's just saying, God's time is not our time. Okay. Now, when you stop and think about that for a second, that's pretty inspiring. Yeah. All right, just because of the nature of time. I mean, the na- something we don't often consider, but God is outside of time. Right. And just saying it, you might go, "Oh, yeah, well, that's that's kind of neat and pretty cool." But but when you dig down into how amazing it is to have created the dimension of time, how would you start doing that? We have doctors in our house right here. PhD people, smart, almost PhD people, you know. I mean, smart, smart, smart. What if, if you had a, a job to do and say, create a dimension for us, Carl? Where would you start with that? Our PhDs in forest. <laughs> Carl, create a dimension of the forest. Right. Yeah. And so, in saying all this, is man, there. As I read this, and I don't know if this is your experience, as I read 2 Peter, it's a little bit difficult to follow Peter. It's difficult for me. I don't know if it's difficult for you, but hes it's like he's talking about bold and arrogant and angels and destruction and suffering and all these things. I'm going, I'm trying to follow you. The picture I'm getting is, I think the big picture, Peter, that you're trying to get is, is dude, don't mess around with false teaching. Okay, be real serious about this. Okay, I, but there's a lot of words he uses. You know, when you go through this, um, but really, you have this this big picture that hopefully we don't lose is is the the substance of all of this is our King, like remembering who is Jesus, right? This is what he's talking about. He's not just getting us stuck in the weeds of like these false teachers. But he's going, no, hold on a minute. We've pledged our allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom. We're loyal to him, not to what other people are saying. But So here's the interesting thing for us, I think, today. There's this battle going on that I think Peter is drawing out here. There's this battle where he said, we have been given everything for life and godliness. Me and you, we've been given everything we need. But the interesting thing, the false teachers introduced something that you're missing out on something. See, you don't really have everything you need for life and godliness. In fact, you're missing out on sensuality and pleasure, and you're missing out on these things. And just the way they live, their debauchery and all these things, is there's this classic battle of you don't really have everything in Christ. You're missing out on something, okay? And can you think about the power of what it means to miss out on something? I think all of us feel that pressure at times through whatever we see, right? Videos, social media, all these things of feeling. Have you felt that before? You're like, yeah, I'm really missing out on something. Maybe I'm missing out on my friend group is doing something and I'm not doing something. Or this is happening and I don't get to do it, okay? That's the classic battle right there. You don't have enough. You need more. You're missing out. Look how great this is, okay? 
And they said they actually promise freedom while they themselves are captive. Right? And so again, I don't know how this lands on your ears, okay? I think it's one of these things where it, it, it takes some time because, because we kind of have to think through, like, okay, well, what is this meaning for us today? What did it mean for them originally? You know, was it making them more aware? Like, hey, be careful here. Like, be wise, okay? They're not to be second-guessing all of your brothers and sisters, but being wise about the message of Jesus. Like, be wise about what you're hearing and what you're saying and what you're passing along. Here's what I think might be difficult for us is 2,000 years of, in many regards, different areas of false teaching have all kind of compounded themselves onto what we see as Christianity. Okay, and so for them, there's this raw Christianity they have. They heard the message, they get it. They're not looking down the street for another church. They're not looking for other things. They're like, this is our people right here. But here's what's difficult is how many layers of false teaching have been put over the top of Christianity? That for us, you know, we just are oblivious to what's been taught, but it's it's out there. The Christianity and the brand of Christianity that we hear most often is a different Jesus, right? But there's a tension that we try to hold. There's this tough there's this tough thing, okay? Because there's this tension of like what we like to hear from the world a lot of times is, hey man, don't feel so bad. Like, don't feel ashamed. Don't feel driven by guilt. You know, is, is make sure that you're, you're thinking about this and you're being compelled by love and there's all these things. Those are good things. But on that spectrum sometimes, we can kind of dismiss sin. Yeah. They go, man, they're really trying hard. You know, they've been sleeping with their boyfriend or girlfriend every week, but they really have their heart in the right place. We're, that's a battle between how can I have empathy and compassion, but we're missing this other extreme. Some of us want to be on more than anything, which is just like, dude, look what you're doing. Knock it off. It's sin. Stop it. You're ridiculous. What are you doing? You're ruining this for all of us, okay? It's, we're fighting like these two tensions, and so we end up landing on one side or the other yeah. instead of going, hold on a minute. Let's be, let's be real about this is, is there, there's a point when we go back to Jesus' ministry where he does. He said, hey, what you're doing, don't do it anymore. Now, as you grow in that, let's figure out why are you doing that? Like, what is it? Repentance. Like, why are you thinking that way? What's making you think that way? Like, there's both of these things going on here. But, you know, so you have this, again, there's just this idea of this tension that we fight back and forth on. Um, but the fault, this is the same thing they were they were dealing with. But a lot of times the false teachers can sound kind of okay. You know, because it's like, oh man, I know you fell, you fell into sin again. It's okay. You said you got you got a little drunk, man. I mean, that's I mean, I do that often. I mean, it's not that big a deal. I mean, you just go to the pub, you have a few beers, you hang out, there's beer gardens all over the place. I mean, it's all good, just be in the light. And, and I'm going, I, how where did Jesus ever say that? Yeah. Like, that doesn't even sound like Jesus. Right, yeah. You know? Oh, man, I know how hard it is to be single now. 
I know how hard it is, man. You want people from the world and you want to have sex and you want to have all these things. And I know you're trying hard, man. I'm with you. I don't know when Jesus said that. When he's like, no, man, I mean, here's the deal. This is absolute, this is sin right here that has to be dealt with, okay? But, again, on the other side of things, have gone, but we can walk together. But we have to be calling each other to repent. Since I don't get the idea that the false teachers are calling anyone to repent. Right. So that was one of the interesting things about false prophets. Is they weren't really calling anybody to repent. They were telling everybody, man, life is good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's awesome. Be okay. And the real prophets are going, no. Right. Repent. Okay. I mean, these things were going on. So you have this battle between having everything and having not enough. Right? And so it's kind of, we got to think about that. Because we can become susceptible I think God is enough, but in my life, I think I need more. Like, everyone else in the world seems to be having a great time. Right. You know, everyone is. Everyone, man, and they're going and seeing beautiful places. And I think the hard part for us is this, is that it's very difficult to understand the deluge of the world on us. Yeah. How how we are you know, it's not just a trickle. We are being completely, like, I mean, absolutely immersed in worldliness in a way that I don't think we consider that often. Oh, bro. You know, where it's where it can be one of those things where it's like, you know, I can try to work in a quiet time. I can try to work in some word of God. I can try to work in some prayer and try to do those things. Yeah. Except if we were to peel back and see what the world is doing every click of our phone and every channel we watch and every and I'm not even talking about shows or movies that are highlighting immorality I'm talking about just the worldly philosophies of what we watch and going oh man that would be awesome you know I mean it's, it's something as easy as I enjoy watching like lakefront you know bargain hunt or whatever it is you know I'm going, oh man to have a house If you're planning on buying a house by a lake, I'm not saying not to do that, okay? But I'm just, I'm just saying that there's a message that comes through. If you have a certain a car, here's, here's the real deal. Nice cars, nice houses, married, you know, and great vacations. If you have those things, your life is full. It's perfect. Right? Is that true? There's people that live in really nice houses that are not happy. Right. And there are people that live in, in broken down trailer homes that are happy in Jesus, okay? Right. Right. But I'm, why am I saying all this? It's not to condemn homeowners. It's not to condemn car owners. It's not to condemn. It's the idea of we have to... The false teacher of our day may be digital. Right. Okay. I mean, think about that, okay? It may be digital. It may be what's in our home that's coming in. It's going, what you have as a Christian is not enough. You need more. And look at all of this sensuality that you're missing out on. Look at all of this that's happening. And that sounds an awful lot like what we watch on TV and in movies and music and all of these things, Right? What my, like my news feed, I go to Apple News, and my news feed is not news. No. It, it, that's what's crazy. I just want to know what's going on in the world. Like, what's going on in Ukraine? What's going on in different places? And it's like, hey, 
Check out the dress on the red carpet that so and so wore. Yeah. Yeah. That's not new. But but here's the interesting thing is is there's this idea of going, and first and second of all, why would I care? Right. Okay? But we do. Because it's like, man, that right there, could you imagine being the person who gets to walk on the red carpet? Stefan's going absolutely every every day. Okay? But you get this idea of, of, man, oh, hey, listen, this may be punching the hornet's nest, okay? But I'm saying we're enamored by Taylor Swift. Thank you. We're enamored. We're enamored enamored of everything. I mean, every commercial, everything. Oh, my goodness, she has it all. This is great. Except it's like her life is pretty much a mess. She may be watching right. I don't know. But it seems to me that it's going. She's got lots of money and lots of things and all these popular and everybody loves her and all that kind of stuff. But there's something missing there. Yeah, yeah. And I get it. Like, my daughter, they're going, you're wrong, Dad. No, you're missing something, okay? But, but I just use that as an example as we have these things where we go, man, that is what will make life great. Right? That, that pay raise, that job, that family, that spouse, whatever it is. And so maybe the call to us is to be aware of our digital false teachers. Maybe that's, what is that message that's being brought in? And then here's the other thing, and a lot of times we attribute this just to teenagers, right? There is something that's being hit on by the false teachers here, and and what it is is it's it's hard to not fit in. It's hard in this world to not fit in, and a lot of times you go, well, that's teenagers and peer pressure and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to tell you, every single one of us, we're tempted by this every single day. Like, don't look distinct. Right? That's holiness. That's what holiness means. It's distinctive from the world. Right. All right? And these false teachers are going, no, actually, that's a bummer to be distinctive. Actually, it's way better when you're fitting in because what they're teaching is really what the pagan society was like. All right? I wonder how often we're listening to that message. Hey, you don't have to be distinct. I wonder how often we model that to our children, even. Is we don't have to be distinct. We need to fit in, okay? And so you have this battle going on here, okay? But so ultimately the question to walk away with is like, okay, well, how do we process through this and how do we live in a way that is honoring this text that Peter is writing? Like, how do we do that? Because... You know, we don't want to just sit back and just be critical of everything either. So here's the interesting thing, is in order to be like Jesus, uh, we have to embrace the life he lived. Not just the decisions he made. I I know sometimes Christianity can be like, okay, I'm going to be geared up for that temptation, and when it comes, I'm going to be just like Jesus. Except that's not how Christianity works. It's the idea of we want to embody the entirety of the way of life of Jesus. And so it's the idea of understanding, you know what? Jesus knew when to go away and pray. Jesus had a rhythm of silence and solitude. He knew when he needed to retreat from the crowd. 
and he knew when he needed to go in and serve the crowd. Right? There were times when he was tired that he decided, I need to go and serve the people. And there were times he was tired, he said, I have to go away and pray. Right? But if our lives aren't like beginning to be formed the way Jesus' life is, it's going to be really tough to live these things out or to understand these things. Yeah. Right? And so the question is, is how does your daily life look? Would your daily life look like the way Jesus lives. Okay. What, what's interesting is, is when you read the Gospels and you read the stories of Jesus' life, it seemed like he made the most of everywhere he was. So it seemed like he had time with his guys and he made the most of it. All right. It seemed like he had times where he was in prayer. But really consider this, is where you work Okay. Is there a part of that that you see, man, this is the place Jesus put me for this ministry? Right? Where I go to school, the classroom I'm in, all of these things of this opportunity to go, hey, you can go in there and live into this, not just inviting people to come to the church, right. but actually doing the ministry of Jesus. Like you are a full-time minister in your job. Yeah. Okay? Like they didn't may not your 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 boss may not have realized he hired a full-time minister when he hired you. Okay, And that puts a whole different spin on things because now it's like, oh man, what did Jesus do when his life was full-time ministry? And he was in prayer. He was in, how many times do we stop during the day and we just go, you know what, I'm going to take some time here and just I'm just going to pray a prayer of gratitude for God. Right? It, it's interesting how the Jews did it. Like oftentimes these other, they, they have times of prayer during the day. Yeah. Right? Where it's just like we're stopping and we're praying. Right? That, that, that's an interesting rhythm of life that we don't have anymore. Uh, let me stop. Let me, okay, and then Jesus' way of doing ministry, of knowing, okay, this is, this right here, he has put me in this full-time ministry. Okay. Whether it's like Adam in the OR, our kids in their schools, whatever it is, Lauren's looking for a job, okay? Here's the interesting thing. There's and I'm not picking on Lauren at all, but it's a good example because people are, are looking for jobs. Is there's, I need a paycheck, let me look for a job. And then there's, where's the ministry you want me to be? Okay. Because sometimes, sometimes that ministry has nothing to do with your major. Sometimes that ministry has, the, sometimes that ministry, you'll go, He's called me to do something that I feel like I just kind of spent a whole lot of money to get something that I don't need. Okay. But understand, a lot of times he uses that to get us where we need to be. But looking at this and going, okay, how do I practice this? How do we stay true to this text right here? And, and, and really, instead of worrying about the false teachers, how do we live honoring Jesus in our life is to begin looking at that. Like, is the rhythm of my life like Jesus' life? Yeah. So when we get a phone call at work, you all know what you go, well, I can't just talk about Jesus all the time, but you can be Jesus to them. Okay? Well, no, 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 I can't say Jesus and all. No, 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 you understand. Who he is is who lives in us. And so it's the idea of how we approach people, how we talk to people, how we respect people, how we love people, how we listen to people. 
right? And so you take all of this stuff, and then he's saying, hey, guys, remember, he's patient. God is patient, and he wants everyone to come to repentance. And part of that patience includes us living out that full-time ministry exactly where we are. And going, man, this is this is where God put me as a full-time minister. And we're going to get into next week is, is when you jump into some really good stuff here. But again, um, it, this, as I shared before, this is a tough this is a tough book for me just personally as I'm going through it because I'm going, man, I don't know, it feels kind of choppy, it's kind of weird, it's kind of this whole chapter against false teachers, and I don't even know if I'll, if I'll see them under you know whatever. But it's this idea of he wants us to remember. He wants us to remember Jesus. He wants us to remember what we've been called to. He wants us to remember that scoffers will come and false teachers will come. He wants us to remember that God is patient. He wants us to remember who Jesus is and how to live his ministry out. And he finishes up this, and that's why I want to stop right here. He finishes up uh, this last section in a really spectacular way. So... Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.